My name's Brad, and I'm the pastor. If you're brand new, welcome. We just wish for you hope and healing, peace of God, purpose and destiny for your life. That's what we wish for you. If you prayed anything, if you prayed to receive Jesus in that moment, what I want to encourage you to do when you sit down here in a moment, uh, we do sit down. Uh, so in case you're wondering, we actually do sit. Uh, I'm going to ask you to grab a next step card just right on there. Man, I gave my life to Jesus today, and I'm going to call you. We're going to go to coffee, okay? We're going to go to coffee. We're going to go to lunch, my treat. And I want to talk to you a little bit more about that faith and that walk that, you, that you're beginning to take. In fact, actually, you just meet me for coffee uh, this Tuesday. I'm going to be hanging out. we got a brand new Starbucks. Come on. Hallelujah. There is a God. Whoop, whoop. Right around the corner from the church, I'm like, yeah, he is coming, and that is a sign of the second. Well, I'm going to be there this Tuesday. Any men that would like to join me, ladies, please don't show up. That would be awkward. My wife wouldn't like that. Uh, but men, you're welcome to come. Uh, I'll be there seven to eight. I'm just hanging out. I mean, it's no, no rules, no nothing. We just hang out, and I would love to just talk with you and hang out, whatever that looks like. If you got a Bible, let's go to Psalm chapter 5. We are wrapping up the Psalms of Summer. Has this series helped anybody? This is it. This is the final week. Has this helped you? I hope this has helped you. Um, this series has been phenomenal for me. I've loved reading through the Psalms. We've read through over 100 Psalms now. That's insane. Like, if you've done that, if you haven't done that, no guilt, no condemnation, pick it up tomorrow. There's still about 50 more to go. You get that on our website or social media page, you get all that information. Today we're in Psalm chapter 5. So near the beginning of the Psalms, there's Psalm chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, you can download one from Version. Look for the New Living Translation. That's what I read out of. And oh, next week, new series next week called Pressed and Pulled. If you feel like you're pressed for time and pulled in every other direction, you are going to love this series. Come on, high five three people and say, be here, be here. You need to be here. Be here for it. All right. Psalm chapter 5. So uh, if you're new to uh, the Bible and you're new to church, um, the Bible can be confusing. I understand that. I've been following for three decades. I even get confused at times with what's going on. But the Psalms, basically think of them, they're like poems, okay? They're, um, they're songs, like a lot of songs that the band sings and the choir sings come out of the Psalms, and, and they're also prayers. So they come, come from the heart. They're written by a lot of different authors. Today we're going to read one by David. David was king of Israel, and I know some of you may know his story, but he's the guy who killed Goliath, and he ruled the greatest king uh, that Israel ever knew. And in uh, Psalm chapter 5, I love the header here in my Bible. It says, a psalm of David to be accompanied by the flute. Can you turn that thing? You're already saying no. <laughs> turn it into a flute, man. Come on. Give me like the theme song from Titanic or something. No? Okay, never mind. Forget it. Okay, that was... I'm going to read like three verses and then we're going to let you sit down. All right, here we go. So David said this. David says, Oh Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for I pray, for I pray, for I pray to no one, nobody but you. Come on, that's a good plan right there. Tell somebody you came with, that's a good plan right there. Praying to you alone. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I, I bring my request to you and I, I wait expectantly. Wait expecting, expecting great things. Let's pray. David's praying, let's pray. God, we expect right now great things. 
thank you that your spirit has already transformed lives. We thank you, God, for the salvation that's already come into this place today. We thank you, God, for your spirit that has filled so many people already in this moment. And now you have a, a fresh word for us, something exciting that you want to share with us, inspire us, God, encourage us, change us today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, all right, you can, you can sit down. Well, the first few verses of Psalm chapter 5 is, is a prayer by David, and when it, when it comes to prayer, I, I think uh, many of us, if we're honest, we just feel completely incompetent when it comes to prayer. Like, we have no clue what we're doing. We're just like, I'm not sure how this whole thing is supposed to be rolling. And if, have you ever had somebody call on you to pray publicly? Is that not like the most frightening thing in the world? Like your, your, your palms start sweating, your, your, your breath starts increasing, your heart rate is coming out of your chest, and, and it's like, you, you ever, like if you've ever prayed in public, you, you, um, you just completely blank out, don't you? You like, you like even forget God's name. You're like, um, dear um, Bob, no, dear, uh, dear God, dear God. Um, uh, thank you for this day. That's the go-to right there. That's the go-to. We all do that one. Thank you for this day. And uh, you ever, you ever just blank? Like you're praying publicly, and you had, you you can't think of what else to say, and you're like, um, so you just kind of fill it in with like random song lyrics. <laughs> it's like, oh, dear God, thank you for this day. Just pray you'd help us. Girls, sing your hallelujah. Umptown funk's going to give it to you. In, in, in Jesus' name, amen. Hoping that I'll figure it out right there. I mean, and then you, if, you, if you've been in church, those of you who've been in church, you probably ended up in a prayer circle before where everybody's going around the circle and everybody has to pray in the circle, you know, and nobody wants to pray first. Can I give you a tip if you ever end up in a circle, if you've never ended up in a circle? Listen right now, then we'll give you some, this is gold right here. Always go first, okay? I know it sounds counterintuitive, but always go first because you have dibs on all the prayer requests. What that means is you can pray all these things because what happens is you get nervous, you think I'm going to go last, and they start working their way around the circle, and then somebody prays what you are going to pray. You're like, I was going to pray that. Then you're like, I got to think of something new to pray. Let's be honest, when you're in a prayer circle, you're not paying attention to anything anybody else is praying. You're thinking about what you got to pray. And then somebody else takes the next thing, and it comes to you, you got nothing. So here's what we do in Christian circles. This is what we, we, we go. God, um, I, just, I just echo Ken's prayer. Um, <laughs> anytime you hear somebody use the word echo, it means they have nothing. They ain't got nothing. So... So what happens is, I think what happens to us is we get so intimidated and so nervous, we just keep our prayer private. Like, I'm just going to keep it private. And so we go into our little prayer thing. And, and to be, let's just be honest, even, even in our private prayer, we struggle. Like, we just, do you ever get bored with your own prayers? Am I the only one? Okay. <laughs> like, you ever been praying, it feels like 30 minutes, and you look down, and you're like, Dang, it's only been 30 seconds. Okay, all right, what else? It's like, and you wondered, is God even getting bored with my prayers? Like, it's like God's like, 
Yeah, I'll be with you in just a minute, but, uh, you know, Brad, he's, uh, whew, he's a piece of work. Peter's back there like, totally understand, get it, go ahead, we'll be with you. And you're just praying, and then you're like, you're trying, and then you get distracted? Does that happen to anybody? Like, you feel horrible because you get distracted? That happened to me just this morning. I'm praying, I'm praying for you guys, I'm interceding, I'm, it's a beautiful prayer, I've got the word open, and, and it's just, you know, it's like, it's like the like the angelic halo and everything's beautiful and then I suddenly hear this weird noise I look over and the cat is in the dog food bowl eating I'm like what are you doing what's wrong with you and he looks at me and he's like I'm eating the dog food I'm like that's not your food your food is, is over there. And, oh wait oh that's right God we were praying and and you just get distracted sometimes prayer can feel like a bad first date it's like, you don't know what, you're like, um, so hey, God, uh, my name's Brad, I'm a Leo. Uh, <laughs> and and if, listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're new to church, I, you're just like, man, I don't know what prayer is. It just seems like kind of this mystical thing, you know, that, like, oh, I guess I got to get a robe and some candles, shave my head, move to a mountain somewhere chanting. I don't know what it is. Prayer can just be so intimidating and so overwhelming. And I think the reason it is, I think we've overcomplicated it. I think we've made it too difficult to pray. And I think that is the fault many times of our own doing. But I think it's also the fault sometimes of teaching that we have received and we've made it so difficult. And so today, I, I want to give you two simple things that I believe will be revolutionary to your prayer life. If, if you can do just these two things, I, I believe with everything within me that prayer really comes down to these two simple things. If you can do these, I promise you. Your prayer life will be vibrant. Your prayer life will be healthy. Your prayer life will be strong. I mean, you will, you will experience some great things in your prayer life. I mean, trust me, I have been praying for over 30 years. I haven't always been a pastor. And even at a pastor, I struggle at times because I don't have the spiritual gift of intercession. Some of you are like, I don't even know what that means. But it's the spiritual gift of being able to pray. And I don't have that. And so prayer is always, I've always wanted to do it. I've always loved being a part of it, but I've always struggled at it. And so for three decades, I've tried different patterns and different uh, things and, and, and formulas, and, 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 and I've always met with frustration. But in the last few years, I've just done these two simple things, and it's revolutionized my prayer life. My prayer life is just absolutely different than it's ever been. I wish I'd have known this 30 years ago. So here it is, the two things, and I, you need to write this down, because if you can, and I promise you, I'm going to give you these two, and I, you, you know what you can do? You can fold up all your stuff, and you can leave if you want. I'm okay with that, because what I say after this isn't as important what I'm going to say right now. You can check out, get on Facebook, do your grocery list, whatever you want to do, but here are the two most important things when it comes to prayer. Keep it relational, and make it intentional. Keep it relational and make it intentional i'm telling you if you write that down and you keep that in front of you every time that you pray for the next 30 days your prayer life is going to take off 
like none other, like you've never seen in your life. You sit down to prayer, you take, I don't care what you're writing it on, put it in your phone, put it on a little note card, whatever you do, you go to sit down for prayer and you go, oh yeah, I, I, I need to keep it relational. I got to keep it relational. I need to make it intentional. Just remember those two things. So we see that David did those two things here in Psalm chapter 5, because for David, prayer wasn't just a religious thing, it was a relational thing to him. In fact, we see in verse 1, he says, hear me as I pray. In verse 2, he says, listen to my cry for help. And in verse 3, he says, listen to my voice in the morning. Come on, there's nothing more frustrating in life than talking to somebody who's not listening, right? Can I get an amen from the ladies? I'm not going to say what I saw right over here, but I saw one lady turn and go, that's you and that's you. (laughs) Man, we just got to own that. We're terrible listeners. We just don't listen very well at all because we go into our nothing box. Our nothing box. Like ladies, you say, hello, 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 Uh uh-huh. What were you thinking about? Guys, what do we say? Nothing. Weren't thinking about nothing. Or, or dads, dads, you get in the car. I don't know what happens. Every dad's a universal trait. Every dad will get in the car, and it's like the cone of silence comes down around over the driver's seat. I don't know what it is. I apologize, ladies, but we get it. We don't hear our kids. We don't hear you. We don't, we don't hear the radio. We don't hear the road. We, we hear nothing. I was talking to a buddy of mine about this, and he said that his wife, whenever he does this, she'll look over at him and go, respond! (laughs) And he's like, go, okay, what, huh? You ever try to fake like you're listening? It's the worst, guys. Honestly, Laura and I have been married, Laura and I have been married for almost 35 years, 34 years, 35, it's it's a long time, it's a long, long time. I mean, to be married to me, it's a long, long haul. And and, um, I've just decided I'm not going to fake it anymore, and so I just tell her, I'm sorry, honey, I haven't been listening for the last 15 minutes. Because she looks at me, and I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Come on, you work so hard for this, you're going to start over? So I just figured... I'm just going to be honest with her. But this is the, listen, we all un- understand this, that a relationship cannot be healthy if one of the people involved is not listening. And I, I think the biggest question that many of us have when it comes to prayer is, is God listening? Is, is God even listening to my prayers? Like what David says in Psalm 5, 2. Let's go back to the passage here. Psalm 5, verse 2 says, Listen to my cry for help, my king and my God. Like it's David, David understands who God is. He, he refers to God as king. Now, let's be honest. It's been several thousand years. Kings don't mean a whole lot to us. But in this day and age, David was intentional about using the word king because kings in this era had absolute power absolute authority and absolute control what what he's saying is listen god is in absolute control he is in absolute power and absolute authority which means there is no prayer that he can't answer come on tell somebody in front of you behind you there's no prayer he can't answer there's no prayer he can't answer 
David knew about being king because he's king of Israel, greatest king Israel ever knew. And, and so David, man, he knew when David would sit on his throne, just the wave of his hand could mean life or death for that person. We read a story in the Bible of this lady named Esther, and she was raised up, and she became the, the queen of Persia. And, and, and the scripture tells us, uh, and the story uh, tells us, that uh, she could not enter into the king's presence, her own husband. She's queen, he's king. She couldn't enter into his presence unless she was summoned by him. Can I tell you, that's how we roll up in my house. I do not approach Laura unless I am summoned. How it works in our house. Then there's, a, there's another story, this guy named Nehemiah. And so Nehemiah, you can read his story also. There's a whole book in the Bible about him. And, and he, um, he's in this state of mourning, and he's the cupbearer to the king of Babylon. And so he's in the presence of the king, and the king looks down at Nehemiah and says, Dude, what are you sad about? which is a really bad thing. You don't be sad in the presence of the king because he's like, I could die right now in this moment. And, he, and I love what Nehemiah, he says, with a prayer to God in heaven, I talk to the king. Good idea. Quick prayer, don't take my head off. I, I think when it, when it comes to what David is talking about, about God being king, is some of us have a misview, misguided view of who God is. Like some of us, we view God as just indifferent. Like, <laughs> why pray? I mean, seriously, because, I mean, he's in all authority, all power. He's in control. God's going to do whatever God's going to do. Why should I pray? I think for some people, they, they have shame and they have guilt and they have condemnation for, for things and they've done in their lives and decisions and things that they've made. And, and, and they're like, I, I could never ever enter into the presence of, of God. Not, not, no, I'm not, I'm not worthy to, to be in his presence because not, not after what I've done. In fact, if I was to approach him and pray, man, he, he might just strike me dead. The, the apostle Paul, who, who lived a couple thousand years after David, uh, if you're new to church, he planted a bunch of churches around the world. He's the reason why we have most of the New Testament today. He wrote most of it, and he wrote a letter, and it's a uh, put into a book called Romans, and in Romans uh, 8.34, he, he talks about this. He says, who then will condemn us? Come on, say this with me. What? No one. Like, no one. Like, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you placed your faith in him for salvation, no one. No one can condemn you. Why? He answers that. He says, for, Jesus, for Christ Jesus died for us, was raised to life for us. He's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. And what's he doing? He's what? Pleading for us. Like we can boldly enter God's throne room because of Jesus and the work of the cross. Like, he came, he died, Jesus died, I'm supposed to die, he took my place, he took my sin, and because of that, I can boldly enter into the throne room of God. Man, that's good news. You walk into the throne room of God, and you're like, <laughs> and Jesus is like, it's cool, you with me. 
That's how Jesus talks, by the way, right there. But that's what Jesus does. You with me? Come on. Man, he was. Listen, look. We, uh, we, if you've been following uh, Laura and I in our, our journey, we've had a new grandson. His name's Wesley. And he's our oldest son and daughter-in-law, adopted uh, son, uh, their son from South Korea. And, uh, and they came to Oklahoma last week. We got to meet him this last week for the very first time. Uh, it, it, whew, it was off the chain. It was amazing. But, but when we knew he was coming, we went upstairs and we took one of our kids' rooms. All of our kids are older. They're gone. We were like, you're gone. You ain't coming back. This is gone. This is all going with Salvation Army. Get on out of here, okay? I'm like, you, you should have taken it with you because now you're going to pick it up somewhere else, okay? It's on sale right now at Goodwill. So... And I just hauled it all out of there, and, and we just started decorating all over, man. We put army stuff in one corner. We built this huge, put this Lego table together, put superhero posters all over the wall. And we had this big chest, and we have a, had all of these superhero costumes in it. Laura took an entire closet and put these princess dresses in it. And then on the wall, we had these, um, these butterfly um, thingabobs you put on your back. I don't know what they are, but they were cool. And I was like, and we were just anticipating they're coming, they're coming. And then they came over, and, they, and man, they, went, they just went flying up that staircase, went flying into that room. There wasn't 30 seconds that went by, man. They, man, one grandkid, my, my grandson Carter, man, he's got on Spider-Man. Wesley's got on Batman, man. He's, a, he's an Asian Batman. He'd be looking good. And, and then my grand, granddaughter, Peyton, she put on one of the princess dresses, and, and within two minutes, we're wrestling on the floor. It was beautiful. This is God. This is what he does. He had, listen, Jesus God, he's prepared the throne room. Throne room is open. He's like, I'm waiting for you to come. I want you to come. You can boldly enter into the throne room. God wants and desires to have a relationship with all of us. All right. So I run into the throne room. Uh, now what? What am I supposed to do now? Keep it relational. Keep it relational. Come on, tell somebody next to you, keep it relational. In other words, make your prayers come from the heart. That's what we see, David. Let's, let's cover some of this real quickly here. David, in verse 1, David kept his, his prayers relational. They came from the heart. Verse 1, oh Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to what? Pay attention to my groanings. Listen, sometimes the only prayer that you've got is, ah, ah, man. Have you ever suffered a loss in your life? A devastating setback and you're just knocked down and you're just like, I got nothing. I got nothing. David knew a thing or two about that. And David chased for, by Saul to kill him. David loses his infant son. His infant son dies. It's a guy who was acquainted with sorrow. Ah, in that moment, I just think in that moment, he's like, ah. When you, sometimes that's the most beautiful prayer you can ever pray. Some of my best prayers have been when I just don't have any words, and I just, I just sit with God. I don't know, I got nothing, God. I just, I don't have any answers. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. And the Apostle Paul, he he helps us with this. If you go back to Romans chapter 8 in that same chapter, 
He tells us that God meets us in our groanings. He says this, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, like when you are weak. He says, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. I'm confused. I, I, have, I have no words. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how this is happening to me. I don't know what's going on. He says, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with, oh, look at this, with what? Groanings. With groanings that cannot be expressed in words. I, I was looking this up in some of the um, writings of some of the great theologians, and uh, Charles Ellicott is a theologian from the 1800s, and I like what he said about this verse, and here's what he said. When, when the Christian's prayers are too deep and too intense for words, when they are rather a sigh heaved from the heart than any formal utterance, then we may know that we are prompted by the Spirit himself. It is he who is praying to God for us. In other words, when all you have is a groan, the Spirit meets you in that groan, and it becomes this beautiful prayer to God. So then David says, sometimes it's groanings, but then he said this in verse 2. He said, listen to my, listen to my what? Come on, say it with me, what? cry for help. Sometimes you're in such a desperate situation, all you got in that moment is help. <laughs> I ain't got nothing else. Help. Hey, God. Hey, ho. Help. <laughs> uh, anything? Anybody? That's all you got? Help. <laughs> when, I, when I hear that and think of that thought, I'm reminded of the, the Thai soccer team. We were all so enthralled with that story a few weeks ago. Those boys and their coach trapped in that cave. And for nine days, I just think, for nine days, they're crying out, help, help. Can you imagine on day nine, I just, I, just on day nine, I don't know if you saw the video of it, it's fascinating. But when that Navy SEAL comes up out of the water on day nine and they realize their cry for help has been heard. Can you imagine the joy and the celebration and the relief that they experienced in that moment? Here's the thing, the, the rescue for those boys didn't start on day nine, it started way back on day one. They just didn't know it. The same is true for us. The moment that you say, help, the rescue begins. You may not see it, God may not, you may not feel it, you may not sense God's presence, nothing may be changing around you, but I promise you, the very first time you prayed, the rescue mission started. God went into action on your behalf. Sometimes that's all you've got. So David, David knew that, that his prayers needed to be relational, but he also knew that his prayers had to be intentional. Make it relational, but you've also got to make it intentional. Come on, tell somebody right now, make it intentional. Make it intentional. So this is what David did. Listen to what he said, verse 3. Listen to my voice, what? In the morning, Lord. Then he says, what these two words, say these two words with me, what? Each morning, one more time, each morning I bring my request to you and I wait expectantly. Now, I know when you hear that, for a lot of you, you're like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not a morning person. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I, I can't. I mean, I appreciate that David wants to do this, but I'm just, I'm not, I'm not a morning person. Can I tell you that you, you listen, 
we need to stop saying that. You know why we need to stop saying that? Because 100% of us have to get up in the morning. So you're declaring over yourself, I'm going to be miserable in the morning. How ridiculous does that sound? I'm not a morning person. In other words, I can't wait to be miserable tomorrow morning. We just, if that doesn't make sense to you, go back and listen a couple of weeks ago when I talked about the thoughts and the words and the things that you believe and you speak over yourself. And I, I've been so fascinated with uh, successful people and how they start their day. And I've just been learning about successful people and how they start their day. And I've really been studying this the last couple of years. And what I've seen is, is that the first hour of your day sets the tone of your day. One guy said this, I thought it was great. He said, the day is won or lost in the first hour of the day. Just think about this. What happens in the first hour of your day? What happens? I think for some of us, we hit the snooze. And then we hit the snooze again, and then we hit it again, and then we drag ourselves out of bed. And then what do we do? We drag ourselves through the rest of our day. For some of us, we are met by the sound of children right here. Dad, mom, mama, 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 dad, 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 dad. Chirp, chirp, chirp. Quack, 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 quack. And then they're just, they're just, they're on you. And they're, they're fighting with each other. They're fighting with you. They won't do what they're supposed to do. And, and you're so frustrated. And then you end up at work. You're all frustrated and bent out of shape at your coworkers. You're not mad at your coworkers. You're mad at your kids for what they did earlier. Some of us, we start our day with our phone. It's the very first thing we do. We pick up our phone and we, we check our text and we check our email and we check our social media. And we allow someone else to dictate the tone of our day. So I'm fascinated by David, not so much that he's a character of the Bible and a person of the Bible and a godly man and all of that, yes, but one thing I'm fascinated with is David is one of the most successful leaders the world has ever known. And I've been studying successful leaders. And so I was like, hmm. He intentionally took time each morning for God. Like he, he slowed down. And he brought his request to God. The New American Standard Version of the Bible says this, I order my prayer. And in other words, what David did to get a picture of this, what, the, what he, what's saying here is he would arrange and organize his day with God. And that takes time. He would stop. He's like, let's see, I'm the king of Israel. Maybe I should check in with the king of kings. And, and so he's like, I don't know how to lead these people. I need some help. And so he's thinking through his day. He's thinking through what's happening in his life. He's bringing his requests to God. And he's organizing and he's ordering and arranging his day with God. I think, unfortunately, what happens to so many of us is our prayers honestly become transactional. Kind of like going to the pharmacy. You get the script from the doctor and you go to the pharmacy and you want to give that script to the pharmacist. Of course, there's always that person that's just ahead of you and they want to chat it up with the pharmacist. And you're like... Really, can I just get over the top of you? Just, you could just take this. You could just take this from me. And they're like, hey, I'm on this medicine, and I was wondering, I'm looking at the side effects. It says it bloats, and it, it causes weight gain. I was wondering if these pills are doing to me. No, it's not the pills. It's the cake. Get out of the way, okay? <laughs> and you're like, here, just, just take it. And so you finally hand your script to the pharmacist, and, and, and what do they say every single time? Give us about 
20 minutes. It doesn't matter how long the line is. It doesn't matter if the pharmacy is empty. I have no idea why, but it always takes them 20 minutes. It's exactly what we do with God sometimes. We come to God. We got a little request. We got a little script. We're like, hey, God, hey, if you could take this. Sorry, I don't have time to chat it up today, but uh, I'll be back in about 20 minutes. If you can have that ready, that'd be great. And we don't make it relational. We make it transactional. And David says, I order my prayer, and I wait in expectation. There's this idea. Let, let me tell you why David prayed. He expected answers. He believed for answers. He was confident that God would answer his prayers. I, I, I like what Bishop William uh, Temple says. He's a, there's a famous quote from him. He says, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. When I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. So, so whether your, your prayer is a, is a groan or it's a cry for help or it's your, your request, have confidence, take confidence. God hears your prayers and he answers your prayers. So as we wrap this series of, and as we read through the, the book of Psalms, we're reading through all of 100 and whatever, I don't know how many there are. Anybody know? Anybody know the number? How many Psalms there are? 151. I was going to say that. But uh, there's 151. So we have about 50 more to go. But if you're reading through these Psalms, they're written by many different authors. David, uh, Moses wrote some, uh, Asaph, the sons of Korah. Um, and they all have a lot of things in common. One of them is that they pray a lot for their own needs, for, for what's happening, the trials and struggles they're having. But there's many times where they, their prayers are an intercession for the children of Israel. They're praying for the nation of Israel. And when I hear that, I, I think about, man, how often do I get so caught up in my own requests that they never go outside the four walls of my home? Be honest, I think the reason that happens, we just forget. We forget, and we get so caught up in our own needs that we don't pray for other people. That's why you've got to make it intentional. That's why at Core Church, prayer is intentional. If you've been coming for any amount of time, you know prayer is very intentional. Wednesday night, we're going to show up uh, at 6.30, out there in the lobby, food for everybody, and we're going to be praying for our students if you got a child and they're going back to school, I don't know why you would not be here, okay? I mean, it is ugly right now. I thought it was bad when I went to school. It is a whole different game now. I don't even understand the game now, what's happening. And the kids need our prayers. Get your kids here. Be intentional, mom and dad. I'm going to be here on Wednesday night for Core Community. We do it once a month, and we pray for one another intentionally. When you came in today, you saw out there that display. It says 18 hours of prayer on that. You're like, what is that? What is that? It's us. We pray intentionally. Like, if you've been on this journey with us, and if you're new, what we do is periodically throughout the years, we stop and we pray for people that are far from God. Our anniversary's coming up. We're going to be celebrating 18 years of history of God's greatness and goodness, and, and we're having a special anniversary service where we're going to have food and the kickoff of the playlist series, but what we're really intentional about is praying for people that don't know Jesus, and we want them to come. And so we, we, we pray, we intercede, we invest, and then we invite. That's just how we do it around here. We intercede, we invest, and we invite. We intercede, we pray for people, and then we invest. We just, we pray, and then we look for opportunities to do good. 
We just want to do good. I don't know. I just want to figure out a way to do good in somebody's life. Be kind, be considerate, helpful, whatever that person needs. And then when the time is right, and you'll know it if you've been praying, you invite them. Now, I would tell you that if you don't start with prayer, you're never going to see an impact in the kingdom of God. You've got to be intentional about it. So after the service, if you're a regular at Court Church, go back there, sign up for one of the hours. We're praying every hour. You're like, I got to pray an hour? No, no, you don't have to pray. You pray the whole hour. You can pray for two minutes of that hour. I don't care. Just sign up for an hour and say, during that hour, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray for people that are far from God. I'm going to pray for our church and others that God is going to use us to have an impact in this city and this community. So that, listen, and on September 5th, we're going to start at midnight, we're going to pray for 18 hours, and then we're going to gather on that Wednesday night, and we're going to have a night of celebration and prayer and praise and believing in faith that God is going to do mighty things. So those cards, grab those cards. If you have a card on your chair, if you don't, just look around, share those. You see those cards. Some of you are very familiar with these cards. One of the things we do intentionally is pray for people that are far from God. As you think about the anniversary service that's coming up, who is it you know that's far from God? Who do you know? that doesn't know Jesus. Now, maybe you say, Brad, I don't know anybody that doesn't know Jesus. I feel horrible. Don't feel bad. Start praying uh, for my neighbor. I'm just going to pray for my neighbors. I don't even know their name. I'm going to pray for my coworkers. I don't really even know anything about my coworkers. I'm going to pray for my classmates. I don't even have my schedule yet. I'm going to start praying for my classmates. You start praying that way, names are going to pop start popping up. Neighbors are going to have weird interactions with you. Coworkers are going to start stopping by your place in your area of work and talking to you about like, why are you talking to me about that? Why is it? How are we in this conversation? Oh yeah, because I prayed. And God's going to give you an opportunity to invest in their life. And then when the time is right, and I can't tell you if that is today, tomorrow, or ten years from now, but the time will be right when you'll be able to invite them. You know, I think that you would really benefit from coming with me to church one Sunday. 